Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Random Album Rankings. I am BC and thank you for tuning in if you decide to click the play button. For future reference, we will be on every week. Random Album Rankings is available not only on Anchor.fm, but also on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and of course, Spotify. This week's first episode is going to be very special. Well, obviously, it is the first episode, as this week I'll be tackling the discography of the band Radiohead a band that has been around for a very long time and continues to reinvent the wheel no matter what the cost is, whether it's a polarizing music review or a polarized music fan, they definitely know how to get inside your head. (laughs) So before we get into my rankings from best to worst, well, actually, I will be counting down worst to best. Before we do that... Let's break down a brief history of the band. Formed in Abingdon, Oxfordshire in England back in 1985, the band Radiohead consists of Tom York on lead vocals, brothers Johnny and Colin Greenwood, Johnny on lead guitar and keyboards, Colin Greenwood on bass, Ed O'Brien in guitar and backing vocals, and Philip Selway on drums and percussion. They have worked with Nigel Godrich and cover artist Stanley Donwood since 1994. They were signed to EMI in 1991 under the band name On a Friday, which was later changed to the name Radiohead based off of a Talking Heads song. And we'll get into the Talking Heads portion shortly. Uh, They became worldwide sensations after the single Creep was released in 1992 and in time for the debut album Pablo Honey released in 1993. Their popularity and critical standing rose in the UK with the release of their second album The Benz and it wasn't until 1997's OK Computer where they became internationally famous noted for its complex production and themes of modern alienation and was acclaimed as a landmark record for the 1990s. In 2000, they released Kid A, which alienated rock music fans, but still received critical acclaim and was considered the best album of the 2000s by Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, and The Times. Also recorded around the same time was Amnesiac back in 2001, marking a dramatic change in style, incorporating influences from experimental electronic music, 20th century classical music, crop rock, and jazz. They still go on to this day. Their most recent album was in 2016, A Moonshape Pool, which also received universal acclaim. And in 2019, Radiohead was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Talking Heads frontman David Byrne, who spoke at the induction ceremony praising Radiohead's music and their release innovations, which had, quote, affected the entire music business, 
and we will get into that portion of their career as we proceed with this podcast. So let's get right to it. Coming in at number nine, which is the worst, or in this case, eh, not my go-to when I want to hear Radiohead, is their 2011 release, The King of Limbs. Now, this was an example of pay what you want, as far as this album goes, much like they did with their album prior in Rainbows, which we'll, we'll get to later. But uh, King of Limbs was released as a download on their website on February 18th, 2011, and was released physically in record stores two months later. Now, there's only eight songs. It's 37 minutes long. It is the shortest Radiohead album that has been released. It's not necessarily a bad thing. However, in my personal opinion, I didn't really think that the album as a whole was that good uh, save for maybe Lotus Flower which was the only song released off the album and got a little bit of radio airplay otherwise it was just kind of there you know I don't know. There's just something about that album that didn't really stick out for me. Looking back, I've tried listening to it. It came out in 2011. I've tried listening to it multiple times in the last nine years of this album and since the album's release. And honestly, it just seemed too bland. I don't think they were all there just seemed like it was put together too quickly just to get new music out there. And there's been huge gaps in between the releases of previous albums prior. There's been uh, gaps in between Hail to the Thief in 2003 uh, to In Rainbows in 2007. And there were there was another gap in between King of Limbs from 2011 going into their most recent effort, A Moon-Shaped Pool, which came out four years ago. And, yeah, it just seemed like it was put out a little too quickly. And I know there was a four-year gap between In Rainbows and King of Limbs, but it just seemed like it was put together too quickly. And the production was just way too abstract and doomier compared to previous works i don't know the the less i talk about the king of limbs the better it's really not a favorite and yeah i'm just i just i'm still not able to feel that album so for those who are fans of this album i'm sorry but that is my opinion if you enjoyed the album that's that's cool too i'm not going to judge your opinion at all so that's why because of the uh, put together too quickly and abstract portion, I put King of Limbs dead last at number nine. 
Coming in at number eight is their debut album, Pablo, or excuse me, Pablo Honey, which was released in 1993. And it's the one with the song that everybody knows. Yep, I am, of course, talking about Creep. Yeah, you know the one. I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. It's a song that any social outcast in the 90s could relate to. (laughs) And, hey, it's a great song, but honestly, they've had better songs since then and it's not the only good song on the album either i mean yes i i know you want to hear creep so let's get in there right now Now that's popping into my head, the band uh, got their name, as I said, from a Talking Heads album. And that album, of course, was True Stories, which was their the Talking Heads 1986 movie that featured John Goodman in a brief role. And Radiohead was changed at the request of EMI because On a Friday seemed a little too... Mm, it, it just didn't roll off the tongue like Radiohead would. Now, the band changed it to Radiohead. EMI did not ask them to change it to Radiohead because I don't think Radiohead was even on EMI's mind at that point. But, I don't know, Pablo Honey just gets such a bad rap nowadays. And Pitchfork even gave it a 5.4 out of 10 during... Uh, when they were promoting their reissue of it back in 2007, I believe was when the deluxe edition came out. But either way, I I don't understand the uh, hate or ignorance of that album because as far as 90s alternative albums go, I thought Pablo Honey was really good. And I, I still listen to that every now and then. And Creep wasn't even the only, uh, it wasn't the only single released off of it. I mean, it was the most popular one, but there were additional albums and additional songs released off of the debut album, including Anyone Can Play Guitar and my other favorite song on this album, Stop Whispering. Take a listen. I thought the guitar work on Stop Whispering was actually pretty decent as far as that goes. And the lyrical content was also 
you know, it got your attention just as much as Creep did. And it's a shame that Stop Whispering was not as big a hit as that was. Now, people have criticized the grunge sound as trying to be very Nirvana-ish and found certain songs underdeveloped. And I can sort of see where they're coming from on that. But I guess that was the beauty of Pablo Honey as far as uh, 1993's release goes. And when you listen to it in 2020, it's really not the worst alternative rock album from the 90s, honestly. I still enjoy it. And not just because of Creep. The album as a whole has its moments. I do like Stop Whispering. I do like Anyone Can Play Guitar. But if I, honestly, if I had to remove one song off of it, I think the one I'd probably remove would be either Vegetable or or Thinking About You. Those two, those two songs I didn't really, I didn't gravitate to those as much as I did Creep or Stop Whispering or Anyone Can Play Guitar. So if I had to remove a few songs off of Pablo Honey, that would be Vegetable or how or Thinking About You. Otherwise, I, yeah, otherwise, I, I like Pablo Honey. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a decent album and should get a little more listens and a little more love, in my personal opinion. Moving right along, number seven, Hail to the Thief, released on June 9th, 2003, after the unofficial double album uh, that was Kid A and Amnesiac. Hail to the Thief was album number six, and it debuted pretty high on the Billboard 200. Pitchfork ranked it a 9.3. It received critical praise even on Metacritic, where it was ranked 85 out of 100, which indicates universal acclaim. And let's see here, it debuted at number three on the Billboard 200, as I said and has gone platinum since its release. There were three charted singles off of this album. Two plus two is five, which peaked at number 17 on the alternative charts. Go to Sleep, which was peak, which peaked at number 32 on the same chart, and number two in Canada. And the biggest hit off of the album was There There which peaked at number 14 on Billboard's U.S. Alternative Charts, number four in the U.K., and number one in Canada. Yep, you're right, Canada. Way to go. The video for that one really blew my mind when I first saw it, back when MTV was running music videos. The video for There, There, oh boy, where do I begin with this one? All I remember was Tom York running around the forest in the dark, bunch of monsters, and by the end of it, he turned into a tree. 
yeah, it was it was definitely one of the most bizarre videos as expected uh, when you're watching a Radiohead video. Uh, this was directed by a creator of Bagpuss, uh, which was a comic strip uh, created by Oliver Postgate. Uh, but Postgate was retired at that point and declined. So a stop motion animated video was created by Chris Hopewell and the rest is history as far as that one goes. This definitely has some Brothers Grimm vibes. Uh, it was uh, quoted It was quoted by Tom York as 50s East European genre animation overlabored and naive. Which, yeah, I can definitely see where they're coming from. And I do remember that was played late at night because MTV couldn't be bothered showing music videos in the daytime because that would interrupt real world and all that garbage at the time. But nonetheless, it did win an MTV Video Music Award in 2003 for Best Art Direction, which makes perfect sense because artistically, it was beautiful. It was just really bizarre to looking back on that. And one other thing that I might know, just a FYI as far as this album goes, this is the album that I learned the word maximatosis, which looking at uh, doing some research on what maximatosis is, that is a disease that rabbits get, believe it or not. Yeah. So the, the more you know, you learn something new every day as far as Radiohead goes or just looking at random stuff in general on the internet. Uh, honestly, I didn't gravitate to Hail to the Thief uh, as much as I did Kid A or Amnesiac or even their earlier material, but the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me. And this was this is actually their most politically charged album, too, because Tom York said the lyrics were inspired to the war on terror at the time of 9-11, the resurgence of right-wing politics out on the West, because again, they're from England and the cover artwork was definitely one that stood by. Cause if you've ever seen the artwork for it, it's basically a roadmap of Hollywood and it's words taken from roadside advertising. So this is definitely an anti-commercial album for sure. As Radiohead has have a ha- has had a habit of doing for the last Oh, 20 years now, ever since Kid A. Actually going as far back as 97 for OK Computer. And before we go into the next album, let me play a little bit of Maximatosis. Because aside from being a uniquely titled song, it's a unique song itself. Now, I know Radiohead is not for everybody. Their lyrical content is out there, and Tom York is definitely one of the oddest people in music, but I think Tom York is a genius. If you just sit down and listen to his music, if you start, I would suggest 
starting with 97's OK Computer and going forward and then probably giving their earlier material a shot after that, you'd be you'd have a better idea of what goes on in Tom York's mind. Uh, the other thing that's uh, that's of note as far as Hail to the Thief goes is that there are subtitles for each song on the album. Uh, for example, 2 plus 2 is equals 5. The subtitle for that is called The Lukewarm. Go to Sleep is Little Man Being Erased. They're There. Uh, the subtitle for it is The Bony King of Nowhere, which is supposedly a riff on then-President George W. Bush. And Maximatosis, the subtitle for it is Judge, Jury, and Executioner. So it was definitely a politically charged album when you get right down to it. 56 minutes, 35 seconds. It is their longest album to date, I believe. Yeah, I, yeah, it is their it is their longest album. But it's also their most politically charged. When you have something to say, you just go right for it. There's no fucking around on that on Hail to the on Hail to the Thief. It is a solid album. It has grown on me over time. Uh, they have put out better albums since since then. And we will get into that. They've also put out better albums beforehand. And we will get into one of those when we come back after this. Getting back into our countdown on random album rankings for Radiohead is number six, 2001's Amnesiac, which was recorded at the same time as Kid A back in 2000. Released on June 5th, 2001, Amnesiac also received critical acclaim for its unique music. Just It divided listeners, but at the same time, it has become a bit of a cult classic as far as Radiohead fans are concerned. I preferred Kid A over this one came out, but, and I'll be honest, until King of Limbs, Amnesiac was kind of sort of my least favorite album of theirs at that point. But I realized the more I listened to it, uh, the more it just seemed to work. And that was just the, charm of Tom York at this point is if is if you really want to get into it it is a very difficult album to get into as will be the case of Radiohead during this era there were a couple of singles released off of this one Knives Out and the one that stuck with me mainly because of the animated video for it Pyramid Song which here we go. Let's take a listen to that one. The reason this was so polarizing for Radiohead fans was because there are still people who thought the 
Benz and Pablo Honey were their best work. They were hoping to get back into that earlier rock sound. But the thing is, bands need to evolve. And this was the case for Amnesiac. And when you really think about it, Kid A. Pitchfork reviewed this album, gave it a 9.0 out of 10, found that, quote, Amnesiac is about as close to the Benz as Miss Cleo is to Jamaican. Ooh. Mm. And stylist critic Mike Powell wrote that although Amnesiac was slightly more straightforward than Kid A, which is putting it mildly, it solidified the post-millennial model of Radiohead. Less songs, more atmosphere, more eclectic and electronic, more paranoid, more threatening, more sublime. And, you know, the more I think about that, as I have listened to Amnesiac over the last... A few years, there is definitely a paranoia on the on this album. Uh, not just in Pyramid Song, Knives Out. There's also I Might Be Wrong, which is the fan favorite off this album. Uh, Morning Bell was also recut. It was also it was on the Kid A album at first, but it has been it was re-recorded on Amnesiac. With a little less electronic, it was more organ and vocal from Tom York in this case. Hunting bears and like spinning plates also showed that isolation and that paranoia in the lyrical content. It is really the underdog. It's the Black Sheep album. Everybody thinks Kid A is the Black Sheep, but I really think Amnesiac is the Black Sheep album in the Radiohead library. Again, difficult album to get into, like most of their albums, but this one was definitely the toughest one for me for a while. And I don't know. It's a mess, but it's a beautiful mess. And that's really all I have to say about it. Amnesiac definitely earned its number six spot for me. It's definitely earned the critical praise over time. It was even nominated for best recording package for the deluxe edition at the Grammys a few years back. And for those wondering about the, uh, about the earlier rock sound. Yeah, that was great too. But again, you got to evolve and I rather enjoy this era of Radiohead more and more as I get older. I, it's just no way around it. I think, that amnesiac is brilliant. And speaking of brilliant folks, we're in the top five as far as the, my Radiohead ranking goes. And we uh, get into our top five with the most recent release, 2016's a moon shaped pool, which man, Oh man, people complaining about one of them going back to the earlier rock sound. Hey, you know what? All I can think of is that this goes back to the uh, Hail to the Thief in Rainbows era. In the background, you can hear the uh, first single off the album, Burn the Witch, which had a Wicker Man vibe uh, in its music video. And I will shut up so you can listen to a little bit of this song.
This was nominated for Best Rock Song at the 59th Annual Grammy Awards, as well as Moonshape Pool being nominated for Best Alternative Music Album. And this was Radiohead's sixth number one album in the United Kingdom. It was one of the best-selling vinyl albums that year. It debuted at number three on the Billboard 200 charts in this country. It has been certified gold. And a year after Moonshape Pool came out, there was a bonus disc that came with it, which included their ill-fated James Bond theme song, Spectre, which was rejected for uh, Sam Smith's song uh, for the movie. It Good movie, good song, but I don't know. I mean, Tom York, James Bond, I kind of think they would go hand in hand. If anybody could have done a solid James Bond theme, it would have been Tom York and or... Radiohead. This received critical acclaim. The album itself it ranked number ten on Bill uh, on Pitchfork's best albums of 2016, number one album of the year on Slant Magazine uh, and the Sunday Times, as well and even Exclaim Magazine. I really enjoyed this album, and this this album was marred with controversy uh, and as they had toured Tel Aviv disregarding the boycott divestment and sanctions campaign for an international cultural boycott of Israel. But the lyrical content as well had a little bit of controversy, not just on the climate change. Uh, there was also some heartbreak involved as most of the songs on here seemed like it was a response to Tom York's then split from his partner, Rachel Owen and, there is definitely a lot of heartbreak as in this particular album and especially the song true love waits which is the fan favorite on this album how this was not released as a single and and wasn't a hit is beyond me and the lyrics for this go as far back as 1995 so this was one of their oldest songs and didn't get released until 2016, which is a crime because, man, this song is just beautiful and soul-crushing at the same time. And just having that song put out on album where most of the songs on here sound like uh, that he had just broken up with his longtime partner. It's just really, 
wow. I mean, you feel those lyrics when you hear it. And, and if you just listen to it, you know what I'm talking about. Because you have been there. We've all been there at some point. And the studio version released as... that was This was the last track recorded on the album. No guitar. Instead, it was just four notes on a piano. And then those that piano was gradually overdubbed, looped. Bass guitar was in the second verse. And it is probably one of the best Radiohead songs in recent memory. That, in fact, I will say that is in my top three favorite Radiohead songs because it is it is sad, but oh my god, it is so beautiful too. If you haven't listened to the full song, I highly suggest at some point you take a listen to it because it is incredible. It is a crime that that was never released as a single, but I can understand how it would be a bit too personal considering all that had happened to Tom York at that point. That's wow. And Moonshape Pool, I I need to listen to that a little bit more because it is it is a very solid album. I think it is their most straightforward album since the Benz, honestly. It is, I mean, there is rock there. I mean, it's not the old school rock that you found on their Benz album or Pablo Honey. It's not even OK Computer. It is, I would probably put that, like I said, in the Hail to the Thief era. And the music is just, it draws you in. And this was the, mo- this was the last tour Radiohead did for a while and obviously with the pandemic there are no tours happening anytime soon but we can always hope that uh radiohead gets back on tour again hopefully things will get back to normal but man oh man moonshape pool between the politically charged tracks and of course the heartbreak tracks this is really something you would need to just sit down with an open mind and listen to. And the artwork is also different compared to uh, previous albums too. Cause Tom York created the artwork. Uh, the best way to look at it is it seems like it's water just floating around. There's like an beam of light right in the middle of all that water. And this was created by York and Stanley Donwood, who's been helping them out with their album cover since 1994. This was an abstract work by uh, exposing his paintings to weather. So when you read right down to it, moon-shaped pool, it is sort of moon-shaped. And the climate change definitely shows uh, that you can see the climate change and weather portion on the album cover. It is... This is probably their most abstract album cover. Wow. It is a damn good album, and this I it deserved to be in my top five. And if you're a Radiohead fan, I'm pretty sure this is in your top five as well. And, yeah, we'll just get right into it. We'll go right into number four with The Rule Breaker. In Rainbows coming in at number four. This was released in 2007 under very controversial 
uh, methods. Uh, by that time, EMI Records had cut ties with Radiohead, so they were free agents as far as everyone was concerned. And what they did was go on their website and did the pay-as-you-go method for their new album, which EMI had decided not to release. And what that was is you just go on, you can either pay nothing, which a lot of people did, and guilty, I paid nothing for mine. Uh, You can pay whatever you wanted. Uh, Somebody even paid $1,000 for a copy of In Rainbows just so Radiohead got some money off of it. But wow. And it did not backfire. It backfired for EMI, but wow, that wound up being Radiohead's best work at that point since uh, Kid A. And we will get into that shortly, I assure you. One of the songs that got my attention, a co-worker of mine at the time, uh, sent me a clip of a song from In Rainbows, and it just stuck out. The song is called reckoner now this was not released as a single i believe uh, jigsaw falling in a place was body snatchers was also uh, an alternative chart hit for radio play but the one that really st- stuck in my head for the uh, majority of that album was reckoner and just i'm not going to play the whole song obviously but you really really need to listen to the intro here so i will just play that here for you That's Ed O'Brien playing that. Just it is wow. That is the those first twenty five seconds stick with you, and it definitely stuck with me. It is my favorite song off of In Rainbows, out of an otherwise solid album. Uh, only forty two minutes and thirty nine seconds. It is definitely their most experimental since Kid A. And it even got them their first top 10 hit on the alternative charts since 2000 at that point. The song Body Snatchers, which, as I said, it was not an official single. But, but, it did receive enough radio airplay that it charted and it peaked at number 8, which optimistic from kid a peaked at number nine that was their most recent top 10 hit at that time so and for good reason take a listen to this So, um, about Radiohead not rocking anymore, what, uh, 
I don't know. It could have fooled me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the guitar is clearly there, so I don't see why people are still complaining about them not going back to the bends. They're never going to go back to the bends, but doesn't mean they're not going to have a good rock sound on an occasional album, right? And Body Snatchers proves it. Uh, 15th Step, the opening track, that was another one that really got my attention when I first heard it. Between the uh, kids chanting, yeah, during the chorus and the drum looping throughout the entire four-minute single or four-minute song is mind-blowing, to say the least. This is whole album, you can't really skip. Just like OK Computer, you can't really skip a, tr a song off of In Rainbows because you'd be cheating yourself. This album you must listen to as a whole. And fun fact, speaking of OK Computer, I keep going back to that as I'm talking about In Rainbows. Somebody had the bright idea of putting both albums together as one for example we start with airbag the first track from kid a and then go into first track from rainbows 15 step and then alternating between paranoid android then going to body snatchers then going to subterranean homesick alien and going into nude from in rainbows honestly maybe i need to listen to it again but i tried doing that mixture and I just wasn't feeling that version. I can, I don't know. My, that might be something I'd have to go back to as far as the OK and Rainbows go. But as far as a separate album goes, In Rainbows is incredible. In fact, it has one of the, uh, it holds one of the records, all-time records on the Billboard, Billboard Top 200. It debuted at number 178 during that uh, pay-as-you-go method back in November. And then when it was released in retail stores, it jumped all the way to number one where it lasted a week. But it was only, and it was only their second number one album of their career in the United States. It has since it's been certified platinum, selling 1,020,000 copies. It peaked at number one on the UK albums charts and Canadian album charts and French album charts. Uh, its lowest chart was the Mexican albums chart, where it peaked at number 50. But to this day, it still receives critical acclaim, universal acclaim, I should say. And it was also nominated for Album of the Year at the 51st Annual Grammy Awards, where it lost to Raising Sand by Alison Krauss and Robert Plant. It was also nominated for Best Alternative Music Album, uh, Best Boxer Special Limited Edition Package, and Nigel Godrich was nominated for Producer of the Year Non-Classical. And there were three Grammy nominations for the song House of Cards, which was nominated for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with vo Vocal, Best Rock Song, and even best music video and out of all those grammys it only won two one for best alternative music album rightfully so and best boxed or special limited edition package because the retail package of this came with it was a blank cd case nothing on it the radiohead cd or i'm sorry it was not a cd case it was it was a sleeve booklet 
and it ga- it came with the CD itself. It came with stickers and a booklet with the lyrics and artwork. And what you did was you took those stickers, you put them on a blank CD case, and you created your own damn Radiohead album, which I thought was brilliant. And yeah, I that's really cool. I mean, you can't really fault Radiohead for being unique as far as the promotion goes. Pay as you go, that worked out nicely for them, I believe. And In Rainbows is probably one of my favorite albums of the 2000s. I probably in my top 15 and I would love to do a best of the 2000s at some point, but that would be a longer part. That would be a longer series for sure. And at the risk of sounding like I'm rambling, we will take a break right here and when we come back, we're going to go to my top 3 all-time favorite albums from Radiohead. So, don't be a creep. I'll catch you soon. Stick around, I'll be right back. Welcome back to Random Album Rankings. We are in the top three. Coming in at number three is 1995's The Benz Album. And you can hear in the background one of the songs and a great video for it, Just. It is definitely one of the most creative videos that Radiohead has done at that point. Um, as I recall, oh no, no, High and Dry had two different videos. Just on the other hand, it was just basically, a, it was a straightforward video, which really can't be said about most of their videos in the past, but it consisted of a man lying on the pavement, no explanation as to why, and Radiohead watching from their window. It was, if you ever get a chance, go on YouTube, look up the video for Just by Radiohead, and I'm sorry, I do love this song, so you've got to check out the chorus. The video only took two days to shoot, and the scenes were filmed in London's Liverpool Street. The scenes of the band were on a set. And, yeah, man lying down on the pavement, the band looking down, and the man eventually reveals the reasons not to the person watching it. Thanks, guys, causing the rest of Liverpool Street to lie down next to him. It is definitely a video you got to check out. And surprisingly, the uh, other song off of there, as I mentioned, High and Dry, was released with two different videos. One was a straightforward band in the desert video. The one that the United States got on MTV was a Tarantino-ish tribute, which was, that's the one I remember. I mean, I didn't see the original High and Dry video until much later 
And yet the most popular song on the album and wound up being a top 40 hit was Fake Plastic Trees, which was another weird video. You know, you pretty much know Radiohead and Weird are going to be in the same sentence. I shouldn't be saying that it was a weird video because that's expected. But as I, as I remember it, the video consisted of Radiohead in a grocery store and a bunch of random people doing goofy things, including Walking Dead's Norman Reedus, Daryl Dixon on the series, doing some sort of spin or plie or whatever. The video was great, I thought. And it was a big hit on alternative radio and, like I said, uh, Top 40 radio yes pop radio actually played radiohead at one point back in the day and here's a clip what you're listening now to now is a clip of fake plastic trees so here we go This album, and I understand why there's so much praise for this album, this was considered to be their last great rock album, their last rock album in general. And I have to agree, it is a straightforward rock album from Radiohead. And by the time Radiohead had begun their first tour in 93, Creep, Creep had become a hit, the band was on the verge of just falling apart. They had canceled tours. He even went as far as telling enemy quote, physically I'm completely fucked and mentally I've had enough. And wow. What the hell was he doing here? Maybe he didn't belong here. Ha ha ha. Sorry. I had to, I had to include the creep lyric just on that quote alone. But I understand that the pressure of trying to follow up Pablo Honey with the Benz was a lot. And they canceled tours. And they just decided, hey, let's just experiment. Let's not worry about commercial potential. Let's just put out what we feel like putting out. And before the Benz, they released the EP My Iron Lung, which was the official first single off of the Ben's album and actually five singles are released off of that. My iron lung high and dry fake plastic trees, just and street spirit was the final single released in January of 1996. It's a great album. Uh, it is one of the best alternative rock albums of the nineties. And it wasn't just alternative that was included. There was Brit pop vibes. There was indie rock vibes. There was even post-grunge, as you heard from the song Just. And, oh, man, I could talk about this particular album for hours, but we have two other albums to get to, so no point in that. Uh, Fake Plastic Trees, it makes sense uh, that it took place in a grocery store because it was inspired by uh, the commercial development of Canary Wharf song like Sulk was written as a response to the Hungerford Massacre and Street Spirit was inspired by the book The Famished Road by Ben Ockrey 
and he also mentioned that the music of R.E.M. was an inspiration for Street Spirit, and I can sort of get R.E.M. vibes from that. They really, this was a solid rock album, and you can't really say that about a Radiohead album that has come out since then. And there has never been another album like the Benz from that band since. Sales-wise, the album did really well. Uh, in the UK, it peaked at number four, staying on the UK album charts for 160 weeks, triple platinum in the UK. And it inspired bands like Garbage and R.E.M. and even Katie Lang, Constant Craving, remember her? Uh, they have cited Radiohead as a favorite band. In the United States, Fake Plastic Trees peaked at number 11 on the modern rock charts. It it didn't do so hot at first on the Billboard 200 charts, peaking at number 47. But by th- by the time Fake Plastic Trees came out, it wound up with a n- number 88 peak. Well, that's a little better, I guess. But it has since been ranked over time as one of the best albums of all time. According to Q Magazine, it was second place in a 1998 poll and a 2006 readers poll as the best album of all time behind another album of Radiohead, which we're going to get into shortly. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm, we're going to go into that shortly. Number two is okay. Computer. Uh, as far as my list goes. And that was what placed it number one on the readers polls in 1998 and 2006. The album was ranked number 110 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time in 03, and in a revised list in 2012, it dropped one spot to 111, but is considered one of Radiohead's all-time best works, in addition to OK Computer and Kid A. The only negative review that came for the Benz was... Chicago Tribune giving it one out of four stars, calling Tom York's lyrics, quote, self-absorbed and the music is overblown and pretentious. Yeah, I bet he feel. I bet uh, Kevin McHugh, who reviewed that, bet he feels pretty stupid going, uh, geez, 25 years later since that review came out. Tell me, I wonder if he's still employed. Somebody should look that up. I don't have time because I have a random ranking list to go to and to continue on. And we did mention OK Computer peaking at number one on the reader's poll in Q Magazine 98 and 2002, I believe. No, 2006, excuse me. So we are going to go right into OK Computer coming in on my random ranking at number two. Now, the song I'm playing in the background right now, Paranoid Android, was the unofficial first single off the album, inspired uh, by a music video. Hold on. We'll get to that uh, shortly. So, yeah, Paranoid Android had a very unique video. I say unofficial because it didn't really chart on the uh, alternative rock charts until after Karma Police did well, but we'll go into Paranoid Android. Uh, You just heard the opening with the guitar, but the video, oh man, I remember just being floored at 
the video. It was one of the weirdest things I had ever seen at that point. Uh, how do I describe the video without boring you? Uh, it was directed by Magnus Carlsen from Sweden, who was also behind the animated series Robin. And the video for this basically consisted of Robin. It's a, it is a cartoon that is achieved fame on PBS and the BBC. It was narrated by David Avalon, and it consisted of the title character Robin, who would uh, it was a white character with a purple stocking cap and the letter R right in the middle of it. And his best friend Benjamin, a self-described chigro who drinks very heavily. So obviously, this was not a kid's cartoon, in the sense, and it, it's just so weird. So the best way to describe the video for Paranoid Android is obviously weird as all hell. Uh, the song was great. The video was great. But in one second, we went from Robin getting up to take a shower to drinking at a bar to a drunk patron having an extra head coming out of his stomach and a politician going crazy with an axe, eventually chopping off his limbs and being uh, looked after by a family of birds. I, I know it sounds so freaking weird to talk about, but shit, to this day, I don't know what I watched and I've seen this video multiple times, but that turned me into a Radiohead fan just because the weirdness was so out there. Uh, for the record, the single peaked at number four in both Iceland and Ireland, number three in the UK singles chart, and lowest peak was at number 61 on the Netherlands single top 100. It did not chart in the United States, but yet the video has received critical acclaim. It was nominated for a couple of uh, MTV awards that year, but did not win because there was another English band that swept in the form of Jamiroquay's virtual insanity. You remember that video where uh, the guy was just, uh, the floor was moving and he was still dancing during the moving floor. You've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. So that's paranoid Android in a nutshell. Now, as far as okay, computer goes, that is definitely one of the best albums of the 1990s. It has, it has been a go-to for a number of years. Uh, commercial performance, it debuted at number 21 uh, in the United States Billboard 200 charts, number one for two weeks on the UK charts. This was a change from Pablo Honey and the Benz, as it wasn't just, it was not a straightforward rock, rock album. It was artistic uh, with the experimentation and you can tell the experimentation was there in songs like Subterranean Homesick Alien, Let Down, which was another unofficial radio single that didn't do much, unfortunately. And then you had No Surprises, 
which was the final official single, which got as high as number 35 on the alternative charts, I believe. But it was a change of pace. The influence on OK Computer coincided with the decline of Britpop and was towards an approximation of Radiohead's paranoid but confessional slurry but catchy approach and it definitely sounded like Tom York was mumbling quite a bit on most of those songs but if you just listen to this with an open mind you're going to find this repeated with the last couple of Radiohead albums to talk about including my pick for number one which we're going to get to shortly Uh, it was not your typical Britpop album so if you were going into this list expecting Travis or Oasis or Blur, you were sadly mistaken because OK Computer was the dawning of a new era for the band. Gone was the straightforward rock and into the experimental, artistic, futuristic sounds. And politics were definitely rampant on a couple of tracks, especially electioneering, which the band performed on David Letterman to promote the album a week before it came out. Yeah, the chorus, I don't, I don't have the song on me, but the chorus is, I go forwards, you go backwards. And that was, I mean, it was just a great album from beginning to end. Uh, and the centerpiece of the 12-track album was Fitter Happier, which was just random gibberish, excuse me, random gibberish from a Macintosh computer. I can't remember the, the, the name of the voice. There is multiple voices for text to speech, and it was just basically done on a Macintosh. Uh, the fitter happier for one minute, 57 seconds. It is the centerpiece in the interlude in between karma police and electioneering and karma police was the big hit off the album. It was the one that cracked the top 12 on the alternative charts. And believe it or not, it, um, Can you believe that was actually on a Now That's What I Call Music compilation? Yeah, that that blew my mind for sure. I did not expect Radiohead to be on a uh, pop compilation disc, but what do I know? Uh, Karma Police was a, the big hit off the album. The video for it was definitely interesting as it was a car chasing down a... Uh, I assume it was a criminal escaping jail and running for his life. And Tom York was in the backseat of the car that was chasing this criminal. There didn't seem to be anybody driving, which was also weird. And it ended with the criminal pulling out a book of matches and gasoline as it was leaking from the leaking from the car and resulted in the car blowing up. That was the whole premise of the karma police video. And this was an okay. Computer is definitely 
the album that Radiohead will be forever known for by critics and music fans alike. It is a beautiful album. It's definitely one that takes a couple of listens to appreciate, but it is number two. I know other people who are listening to this podcast are going, no, you're, you're mistaken, BC. Okay. Computers, Radiohead's best work, or no, the Benz is Radiohead's best work. What could you possibly put at number one? That's better than the Benz or okay. Computer. And you have to understand uh, my frame of mind, and we will go into this uh, right now. I'm gonna narrow, we're just going to go right into it. My pick for number one, in my opinion, not only Radiohead's best album, but in my humble opinion, my all-time favorite album. Kid A from 2000. That's right. You heard me. The one that polarized so many of you. From the straightforward music fan to the record magazine critic, Kid A, a beautiful mess, is my all-time favorite Radiohead album and my all-time favorite album in general. Coming out in October 2nd of 2000, Kid A was a complete 180 from everything they've released prior to that, even OK Computer. It was a radical change in direction envisioned by Tom York. Gone was the straightforward guitar for most of the album. Uh, instead, it was synthesizers, drum machines, there were strings and brass, there was influences from Kraftwerk as far as the rock sound goes. Electronic music was rampant, ambient music was rampant, jazz, classical music, especially on that last track on the album, Motion Picture Soundtrack. And I will be honest, ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening to this right now, when I first heard Kid A... You're going to be in for a shock. Come closer. I hated that album with a passion. No joke. I did not like the album because I was expecting a little more OK Computer. And it sounded like OK Computer Virus the first time I had heard it. Now, I do have a personal story to share as far as this album goes. Because like I said... I did not like the album when I first heard it. And at the time, I was going through a lot of trials and tribulations. I was diagnosed with depression in 2000. I was going through some personal problems. I was going through, at the time, some professional heartbreak to the point where I just wanted to give up on everything in general. And I even went as far as to cut classes in college. I was attending college for a broadcasting degree and with constant letdowns from various radio stations, recording demo tape, recording uh, demo tapes, recording, you know, audition tapes to get hired on. Nobody was accepting me at the time. And I was just 
beside myself to the point where I didn't even want to continue pursuing the degree anymore. And I had been cutting classes. And a friend of mine at the time, we decided to cut a class that neither of us wanted to attend. I don't talk with this friend anymore. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, and it's none of your business as to why. I just lost contact with this person. But uh, we cut class. We were driving around. I said, I have this album I want to play for you. I want you to listen to how awful this is. So we got to the first track, everything in its right place. And then we got to the title track, Kid A, which you will hear a little later. But it was this song that both of us just went, whoa, what is this? Track three on the album was the one that blew our minds. We were like, holy shit, what is this? And track three of the national anthem, of course, as I said, is the name of the is the name of the song. And the jazz, the freeform jazz sound with the bass and the drums and the insane trumpet, the insane brass at the end of this song was what really made me think, hmm, maybe I've been putting down this album more than I should. So after I hung out with my friend, after I dropped him off at his car, I went home and I listened to the album, uh, the CD, I should say. I still own that CD to this day, and I have a vinyl copy of Kid A. That's how great this album was. That's how much this album meant to me. Uh, so I listened to this album from beginning to end and not just national anthem, but the whole album in general, like I said, I was suffering from depression and I've never been able to fully explain why kid a is my favorite album. Why I gravitated to kid a more than I did. Okay. Computer or anything before the, that album or anything after that album, I always went back to Kid A, and I never understood why people don't love this album as much as I did. But for me, my mind was a mess at that time, and this Kid A was just basically a beautiful mess, a beautiful fucked up mess. And I'm sorry for swearing on here, but honestly... That's how much this album means to me. I am really passionate about this album. I will defend this album till the day I die. In fact, a song I want played at my funeral. I know I'm getting really morbid here, but let's be honest. Motion picture soundtrack sounds like music you hear as you're heading towards the pearly gates. And it's not just motion picture soundtrack. It's not just national anthem. That's good. They're, are songs on here that really stick with you, like Optimistic, for example. Mm-hmm. 
as you can tell that at this point, the lyrical content, there's not a happy track on this album. And so be it. It just seemed right when I was listening to it. And I still listen to this album at least a couple times a year, just for the sake of my sanity and things. I am happy to announce that things have gotten so much better since the 20 years that this album came out. I am happily married. I have an incredible four-year-old daughter uh, out of this marriage. And I, while I do have my occasional moments of sadness and depression, uh, things are definitely a lot better for me. I, I will say that much. And the lyrical content, just the music and the direction this was going really saved my ass for a long time, especially during 2000 and 2001 when things had gotten worse for me at this point. And I'm not going to say that Kid A saved my life, but Kid A was the one person, I'm doing quote marks in the air for person or thing that just seemed to understand what I was going through. And there even is a upbeat, depressing tune in the form of Idiotech. Let me just play a little bit of this here. Idiotech sampled uh, Mild Unleashed by Paul Lansky. Mild Unleashed is uh, German for soft and I believe it was soft and mild. I'll have to look into that a little bit uh, soon. I can clarify that on a future episode. But that was the original clip. And yeah, Idiotech has... I love that beat. I love the music in this one. And then we get to the depressing lyrics like women and children first, throw it in the fire, ice age come, ice age go. And there were animated blips to promote this album. And that was one of the things they used for Idiotech was polar bears uh, and a grim reaper figure floating on an iceberg. There was never really an official video released for this album that's probably a good thing because i don't know what you could do with this one it was just mm. uh, and i can honestly say idiotech is my favorite song off the album and i'm not the only one that feels that way too pitchfork uh during their top 500 songs of the 2000s that peaked at number eight it ranked number 56 on the 100 best songs of the 2000s on rolling stone and number 33 on their 100 greatest songs of the century so far it was also featured on radiohead's greatest hits collection it was the only song off of kid a to be on a greatest hits collection which you know i don't know why but kid a just seemed to be not only a critical favorite, but it was also the redheaded stepchild as far as Radiohead fans are concerned. 
But honestly, over time, Kid A has earned its critical acclaim. Kid A has earned its praise. And Kid A still earns my respect to this very day. And speaking of Kid A, I will play a little bit of the title track. And this one is a very bizarre track in itself, as is the whole album. And even there's even a cover from John Mayer of this song. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. There is a John Mayer cover of this song. And yeah, that I don't know. I wasn't feeling the John Mayer cover. I wasn't feeling this song at first too. Remember, I didn't like the album when it first came out, but a few days after I bought it, I realized this is this was better than most albums I had in my collection. I'm I'm sorry. I know I know I'm rambling here and I'm trying to there is a point to my love for Kid A, but at the end of the day Kid A maintained my sanity better than most albums could. Kid A maintained my sanity better than most people could at that time. I still love the album. I tried playing this album for my wife uh, a few months ago. She she wasn't a fan, but that's okay. I still love her. No, no issue there, but you just have to be in the right frame of mind or maybe wrong frame of mind as far as listening to Kid A goes, but it is a beautiful mess and I am grateful to have still own this album. I still have this album in my collection, even though I have definitely, uh, converted to Spotify when I want to get my uh, music fix on. But Kid A is the one album I have on CD and vinyl to this very day. I I love this album. I can't I, I don't think I can ever fully explain why I love Kid A so much. Uh, the other song that stood out was uh, it's not really a song. It's more of an instrumental track. Uh, called Tree Fingers. The way this was recorded was also surprising. I just assumed it was... You know, Ed O'Brien or Johnny Greenwood uh, potsing around on a synthesizer, but in actuality, it was Tom York on guitar, just strumming a guitar, and it was looped and tweaked to make it sound like it was, you know, this new age keyboard music, and honestly, that song when you really think about it maybe it's just me but i think tree fingers is more meditative than anything else they put out on that on not just on this album but in general i kid a is always going to hold a place in my heart when and blame it on my depression blame it on my mental state at the time but listening to this album you know, something about it, I felt good. 
afterwards. It helped me fall asleep during those rough times. And clearly I'm not the only one uh, because years later it showed up on year-end lists. Uh, Kid A ranked at number 428 on on their Rolling Stones 2003 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. It jumped all the way to 67 on the updated 2012 version. Rolling Stone has also ranked this as the greatest album of the 2000s. According to Rolling Stone, Pitchfork has ranked it number one of the 2000s as well. Pop Matters and Stylus, The Times, and even La Vanguardia from Spain ranked it as the best album of the 2000s. So clearly not everybody hates this album like people want you to think it is. One thing that stood out as I was doing my research for Kid A, uh, Chuck Klosterman, who is a music critic himself, in his 2005 book, Killing Yourself to Live, he interpreted the Kid A album as a prediction of the September 11 attacks. And can you believe that? Wow. You know, when I read that, I I didn't even think about it at the time, but as doom and gloom as Kid A was, it kind of sort of made sense. The world at that point, even my world, was just crumbling. And it just seemed like every time I listened to it, there was no sign of things getting better. I mean, the album maintained my sanity. But you could tell things were not going to get any better as far as the world state was concerned. And last year, uh, David Byrne of the Talking Heads said about the album, what was really weird and very encouraging was that Kid A was popular. It was a hit. This is true. You can say whatever you want. Uh, A lot of fans may not have liked it, but it proved to me that the artistic risk paid off and music fans sometimes are not stupid. Bam. Music transforms you no matter what. It doesn't matter what kind of music you listen to. If you gravitate to one thing more than another, it doesn't mean you're an idiot. It means you are able to expand your palate. You are able to expand your horizons as far as what rock music can go, can become, what rock music can sound like. Now, granted, there are some people who reviewed this album and just went way way overboard and i'm not going to read the whole review but if you ever get a chance please read brent de crescenzo's original review of kid a when it came out in 2000 he called it cacophonous yet tranquil experimental yet familiar foreign yet womb-like i could go on and on about this but his review was so over the top ridiculous that the fact that nobody's turned that into a dramatic reading on a high school speech team is surprising. I mean, it is a great album, but man, nobody should ever give a pen or a computer to Brett Takershenzo ever again. Uh, but at least he concluded that Radiohead, Radiohead must be the greatest band alive, if not the best since you know who, and by you know who, uh, he means the Beatles. 
And I, I agree. Uh, Kid A is a great album. It is an amazing listen. You, my suggestion is just kick back, clear your head, pop in Kid A, be it on CD, cassette, vinyl, or even on Spotify. If you have a Spotify account or whatever, however you get digital music, please listen to Kid A. It is definitely a trip that you will not regret taking, or at least I hope you don't regret taking this trip. Because Kid A is as experimental as a music group, musical group can get it. Rock music doesn't always have to be straightforward guitars or drum solos. And Radiohead has proven that they have broken rules with the pay as you go method for in rainbows and King of limbs. They have proven that rock music can work when you blend it with the electronic sound, when you add free form jazz or other types of music, like classical music, kraut rock. Music can be whatever you want it to be. Music, whether you're an artist or a band, or even a music fan, even if you just love listening to music, music soothes the soul. Music can be translated in any form. Rock music can be transformed any way bands like Radiohead or even the Beatles could see fit. And at the end of the day, Kid A is my favorite Radiohead album. And Kid A is my all-time favorite album. And like I said, I'm not saying the album saved my life, but I can tell you that uh, at my state at the time of the album's release, Kid A... Thank you to Radiohead because somehow Kid A maintained my sanity through all those rough times. So I highly doubt the band is listening, but I am going to say thank you to Radiohead. And yeah, I'm not expecting another Kid A from this band. But I can tell you whatever their next step is going forward, Radiohead has a fan for life in me. And there you have it. Episode one is in the books for random album rankings. To recap my worst to best as far as the discography of Radiohead goes, we'll begin once again recapping number nine, The King of Limbs from 2011. Number eight, Pablo Honey, their debut album from 1993. Number seven, 2003's underrated Hail to the Thief. Number six, 2001 Amnesiac, another underrated gem. Entering the top five, 2016's A Moon Shaped Pool, the most recent release from Radiohead. Number four, 2007's In Rainbows. The Benz from 1995 comes in at number three. OK Computer from 1997 peaks at number two. And my all-time favorite Radiohead album at number one, the 2000 masterpiece Kid A. I really hope you enjoyed this venture into random album rankings, and I really hope you tune in 
next week because like i said random album rankings is going to be a weekly episode and next week we are going to cover the career of jerry only and goth punk band the misfits so i hope you tune in for that next week if you enjoyed what you hear please send us a message listener support is greatly appreciated so i highly suggest you tell your friends if they're music fans they might want to check this out and get a perspective from a music fans such as myself as far as where a band's discography ranks so until then thank you so much for taking this journey with me on radiohead and random album rankings until then i'm bc and we'll catch you next week goodbye You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.